When I was a teenager, I had a radio in my room and I could record songs off the radio onto a blank cassette tape. And it could also record speech. One time I recorded myself saying, my name is Padraig Otuma. And I stopped it and rewound it and played it back. And I was shocked to think, is that what I sound like? I didn't like the sound of my own voice at all. I thought, if this is what I sound like, why would anybody be friends with me? There was a question of who am I? There was angst. There was a desire to fit in, a desire to know who am I around other people, and huge questions about the world that I was trying to condense into the sound of my own voice speaking back to me. So important, so limited, so expansive, all held together in the experience of knowing my own name and trying to figure out what the sound of my own name was in my own voice. Blue by Sasha Takshablu Lapointe. I emerge from our yellow linoleum bathroom, blue at one end of our single wide trailer, and I have the length of narrow hallway to consider before reaching the living room. Blue. Blue? And I know my mother is furious. You look ridiculous. It's all she says, and I do. I had torn the pages from a magazine, lined my bedroom floor with them and studied those punk rock spiked hair, white teeth, high fashion popped collar leather studded glossy photos strewn across my small space like a spread of tarot cards, telling me a future I would never get to, not out here, not in the white trailer, rusting amber, thick of trees, stretch of reservation of highway that stood between me and whatever else was out there. Record stores, the mall, parking lots where kids were skateboarding and smoking pot, probably kids with boom boxes and bottles of beer. Out there were beaches with bands playing on them and these faces, these shining faces with pink, green, purple and blue hair, blue, I could get that at least. I could mix 17 packets of blue raspberry Kool-Aid with a little water and I could get that. It was alchemy. It was potion making. But no one told me about the bleach, about my dark hair needing to lift, to lighten in order to get that blue. No one told me that the mess of Kool-Aid would only run down my scalp, my face, my neck would stain me blue. Blue is what you taste like, he says, still holding me on the twin bed in the glow of dawn. My teenage curiosity has pushed me to ask, what does my body taste like to you? His fingers travel from neck to navel, breath on my thigh, and here in our sacred space, he answers simply, blue. You taste blue, and I wonder if what he means is sad. You taste sad. Taksha blue, the name is given to me when I'm three. To understand it, my child brain has to break it apart. Taksha blue, talk as in talking, as in to tell, as in story, sha, as in the second syllable of my English name, as in half of me, blue, as in the taste of me, blue, as in sad. My grandmother was Taksha blue before me, and now I am Taksha blue too.
This is a poem that goes from place to place to place, asking serious questions and holds them all together with the repetition of this word blue. It's in the title and then 17 times throughout the poem, you hear the word blue, whether or not it's said as the colour or implied to be referring to sad or as the final syllable in Sasha Taksha Blue LaPointe's Skagit name. Blue, Taksha Blue. And so the word itself, blue, holds the poem together. And sometimes in a poem that says the word so many times, you begin to see that word as something like a portal that's opening itself up to all kinds of other things. Identity. Who am I? Who am I connected to? What's the experience of me? Who can I be? Who do I want to be? And this poem links blue with place as well. First of all, the bathroom where she's dyeing her hair using Kool-Aid, blue raspberry Kool-Aid, 17 packets of it. And then the reservation and then her own body as well. And then a sense of place with lover and that twin bed. And then finally, we get into the place with your own name and particularly the place within your own family and the way that a name, like a namesake, can travel down through family. My grandmother was Taksha Blue before me and now I am Taksha Blue too. The poem resolves itself into this sense of connection across generations rather than connection within generation. So time is occurring in the poem, place is occurring within the poem, what she's feeling about herself and what she's seeing about the world is located in the poem. And it's all held together by this repeated sound, blue, 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 meaning so many things all at once. Sasha Takshablula Point is a Coast Salish woman from the Pacific Northwest, as it might be called. And this poem comes from a great new book called Rose Quartz. And throughout it, there are characters that repeat and there's questions about identity, questions about location, questions about politics, questions about language. And in this particular poem, we get introduced to the grandmother, Takshablu also, from whom she gets her name. And the name was given to her when she's three. She says that she uh, had to break it apart to understand it, looking at it through three syllables. Talk as in talking, sha as in the second syllable of my English name, as in half of me, and then blue as in the taste of me. I had a conversation with Sasha Taksha Blue LaPointe about this poem, and we have a poetry unbound extra that's also in the feed today. Her grandmother was a language revitalist and was so instrumental in preserving and writing down and continuing on a legacy of education within Lushotseed. And so the way within which language occurs in this poem and language of connection through name to this magnificent grandmother is a real testament to the book, to her own work work and her own life and her artistic communication too. There's multiple aspects that happen in this poem. It moves through life in so many interesting ways, starting initially with being a teenager and wanting to feel connected and feeling trapped at the same time. 
what you see in this poem is somebody who on the one hand feels separate from classmates and feels separate from other people, feeling separated by that highway, the thick of trees, stretch of reservation of highway that stood between me and whatever else was out there. And then at the same time, you see this young person who has all of these glossy photos strewn across my small space like a spread of tarot cards, punk rock, spiked hair, white teeth, high fashion, popped collar, leather studded glossy photos. On the one hand, wanting to be different and on the other hand, wanting to fit in. Blue, I could get that at least. So in this way, blue is a key, some way to fit into a culture that's different from perhaps a culture that she's experiencing elsewhere. Some desire to fit in with a particular community of people. Throughout the poem, there's indications of calling out what it is that is failing when it comes to being indigenous in your own country and yet being treated like a second class citizen. White teeth, white trailer, bleach about my dark hair needing to lift, to lighten. These two are things that are between her and the world. Then as the poem moves to the body, there's this intimate connection as a teenager in that twin bed. One of the things I think is so interesting in this is that you hear this beautiful question, what does my body taste like to you? And to ask that question means you need to trust yourself, but also trust the one you're asking it of. And the question is taken seriously and given an extraordinary answer back. Blue, you taste blue, perhaps an obscure or oblique response. And she says she wonders if what he means is sad, you taste sad. And sad here just exists along all the other kinds of things. There's the possibility of being alternative, of fitting into crowds, of being connected with the grandmother, of being connected with culture, of being distant and different and embodied in yourself. All of these multiple energies and sad is just there amidst the multiple energies and linked then deeply with the color blue but it's all accepted and held this is a name and a story and a poem that makes space for sad isn't overwhelmed by it but tells the truth of it too The question of who am I is an enlivening question for a life, for literature, for all art and for what it means to be a friend as well, what it means to be connected. And sometimes I suppose the idea that who am I needs to be answered in a singular answer is going to limit the possibilities of living into the answers that that question can evoke. And one of the things that's so wise about this poem is that it's saying, who am I is plural. I am the one who wants to fit in. I am the one who wants to distinguish myself. I am the one who's different. I am the one who's connected. I am the one who's linked with my grandmother. And I am the one who feels alone. I am the one on the reservation. I am the one who might want to leave the reservation. But I am the one also who's proud to be a Coast Salish woman who will speak my Skagit name. And in all of this, the answer to who am I is coming across with such pluralities and it is inviting others around too to say 
in the midst of me being who I am? What does it mean to be that in community with others who are asking that of themselves? So I see that the question of who am I is being put forward in this poem as a communal invitation to, to think in the midst of me wondering who am I? How can I make space and how can I recognise the space making and the place making necessary for others too to be safe enough and provided for enough and acknowledged and given justice enough to ask that question in safety too. by Sasha Taksha Blue Lapointe. I emerge from our yellow linoleum bathroom blue at one end of our single wide trailer and I have the length of narrow hallway to consider before reaching the living room blue. Blue? And I know my mother is furious. You look ridiculous. It's all she says. And I do. I had torn the pages from a magazine, lined my bedroom floor with them and studied those punk rock, spiked hair, white teeth, high fashion, popped collar, leather studded, glossy photos strewn across my small space like a spread of tarot cards, telling me a future I would never get to. Not out here, not in the white trailer, rusting amber, thick of trees, stretch of reservation, of highway that stood between me and whatever else was out there. Record stores, the mall, parking lots where kids were skateboarding and smoking pot, probably kids with boom boxes and bottles of beer. Out there were beaches with bands playing on them and these faces, these shining faces with pink, green, purple and blue hair, blue, I could get that at least. I could mix 17 packets of blue raspberry Kool-Aid with a little water and I could get that. It was alchemy. It was potion making. But no one told me about the bleach, about my dark hair needing to lift, to lighten in order to get that blue. No one told me that the mess of Kool-Aid would only run down my scalp. My face, my neck would stain me blue. Blue is what you taste like, he says, still holding me on the twin bed in the glow of dawn. My teenage curiosity has pushed me to ask, what does my body taste like to you? His fingers travel from neck to navel, breath on my thigh, and here in our sacred space, he answers simply, blue, you taste blue. And I wonder if what he means is sad. You taste sad. Taksha blue, the name is given to me when I'm three. To understand it, my child brain has to break it apart. Taksha blue, talk as in talking, as in to tell, as in story. Sha, as in the second syllable of my English name, as in half of me. Blue, as in the taste of me. Blue, as in sad. My grandmother was Toksha Blue before me, and now I am Toksha Blue too.
Blue comes from Sasha Takshablula Point's book, Rose Quartz. Thank you to Milkweed Editions, who gave us permission to use Sasha's poem. Read it on our website at onbeing.org. Poetry Unbound is Gautam Shrikishan, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Vo, Lucas Johnson, Amy Chatelaine, Keila Edwards, Anissa Hale, and me, Chris Hegel. Our music is composed and provided by Gautam Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. Open your world to poetry with us by subscribing to our Substack newsletter. You may also enjoy Podrig's new book, Poetry Unbound, 50 Poems to Open Your World. For links and to find out more, visit poetryunbound.org. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota.